0: Good evening. We are going to tonight go through three chapters in Genesis. And I'm going to say it because I know we're going to do it. (laughs) If I say it, we'll do it. Um, We're going to start with with Genesis chapter 20. And the reason is that we have some pretty good material I don't want to stop in the middle of. So we're going to just jump right in. Who would like to read Genesis chapter 20 for me tonight?
1: From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev. And lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, "She is my sister." And Ab, Ab-, Ab- I know I know how to say that. Abimelech. Abimelech. Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, "Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife." Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother, in the integrity of my heart, and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before every one you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God hailed Abimelech, and also hailed his wife. In female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife.
0: You could say we've heard this before. Tell me what what you take from this.
2: Well, Sarah's like ninety years old.
0: Yes. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> what does that tell
2: you? <laughs> very beautiful.
0: Pretty hot 90 year old, I guess. I don't know. Yes. What else?
3: When, uh, Abraham was journeying in the Negev. Yes. But um, did he, you know, nowhere does it say that he asked God about
0: that. So that is a good point. Actually, uh, I, I believe a historical context can help here. Okay. So Let's, let's look at the land of, of what we call Israel today. Egypt is here again, um, Turkey, Jordan, Saudi Arabia. So the, the climate of the uh, Levant, we will call it this region, is different than the Midwest of the United States. So it's like California or Mediterranean climate. Well, it is Mediterranean. Um, they get no rain in the summer. And what happens is it is very hot and dry for about eight months of the year. In the winter, which, which we would call you know the, the rainy season here, somewhere between October and May or April is the rainy season in this region. So the agriculture and the, uh, the grazing of cattle is a little bit on a different time cycle than we might imagine. What happens is in the winter, the rains come and the grasses grow. So if you've ever been to somewhere like California or the Mediterranean, you know it's very brown for those eight months, but then in the winter when it rains, everything turns green. So what ends up happening is that the herders, the people who have livestock, will actually take their herds down to the Negev where the grass grows in the winter so they can feed down there. So I think, though it doesn't specifically say this in the Bible, a historian or a cultural expert will tell you that's probably why he went down there, is to feed his flocks in the winter. So but
3: he did lie, though, it I mean, causes he, a problem, yes he, uh, he said that this is my sister uh, the yeah. daughter of <laughs> my, my father yeah. but he didn't say that this is also my wife so <laughs> see it's <laughs> one of those
0: cases he's kind of half telling the truth but he's not telling the whole truth exactly. So he's yeah, the truth. exactly And
3: um, yeah uh, so again he, was, he did. He was repeated from what he did
0: yeah, in Egypt. so if we read but go back a, a few mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yes I didn't, he didn't assume his headship position like he should
0: have, It's interesting, isn't it? It's like dude, we've been here. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been here before. Now here it's interesting because that um, he gives some context behind it which we didn't get before. Uh, somewhere around verse 11 you know he's saying, well we already kind of worked this out in the past. When we started to travel, and we kind of made this this deal that I would say that she was my sister, and that's how you can show your love to me. Uh, you know, everywhere we go, here's my brother. So it's kind of like he's maybe making an excuse to some extent, but also maybe a little bit of background of why he said that. But again, and then still, yeah. And isn't that interesting? Because how can we extrapolate that out to today? Just because the people around us don't have a fear of God, what does that tell you?
3: Well, that means you need to have a fear of
0: God. Yes. And and it might not matter if just because you're in Vegas and no one else believes in Jesus doesn't mean that you're in some kind of threat from them. I mean, God is still God for you wherever you go. Yeah, right. You you don't have to worry.
2: And he should remember that Yes. yes. So in both cases, God saved him for
0: yeah. himself. Yeah. He
2: saved the people who he lied to from themselves yeah. too. Anyway,
0: uh, he saved
3: yeah. the Egyptians from sinning with Sarah, and he saved yeah. Abimelech, too. Yes. And this caused a great upset for the pagan king. Yes. You have done this thing to me.
0: And when we read it, we kind of realize towards the end what actually happened it's very similar to what happened in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. God afflicted the Philistines with uh, physical curses, right? He he afflicted them. And so of course this guys like get out of here. What did it say in the very end? Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech his wife and his slave girl so they could have children again. He had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of his wife Sarah. I really wanna pause there and say, what the heck is going on here? Remember, in Egypt it was it was like physical boils and, and physical plagues, but here it's a very different curse. Why that curse? I feel like it has something to do with God
2: promising that Sarah would have a baby yeah. next time, uh, this time next year or something. Yes. So we wanna make sure that Yes, we know
0: that, this baby is for him. Yeah. that is 100% it mm-hmm. That is exactly what is happening here And it's not just The closing of Abimelech's Household womb You know the slave girls Which again that's what they're kind of there for And his wife and his concubine The author of Genesis Makes it super 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 clear This guy didn't sleep with Sarah And, and oh. that I think is why They're making this point because they don't want any hint that the father of Isaac is going to be someone else. (laughs) And God wants that to be very clear to Abraham. Look, you know, say what you will. Abraham saw his wife, beautiful wife, go in with this guy. He doesn't see her again for a while. She comes out. God wants Abraham to know this guy is not going to be the father of any offspring. (laughs) So don't worry. Super important there.
3: Yeah, and i like said, despite giving your brother a thousand pieces, it's a sign of your innocence in the eyes of yeah. all who are with you. Yeah. So make sure it's mm-hmm. well known that she's innocent of any.
0: Yeah.
2: Thing. Abraham kind of, like, makes out <clears throat> in both times, you know, when... <laughs> He, he leaves Egypt, the king of Egypt gives him a whole bunch of cattle to get him out of there. And then yeah. you know, Abimelech gives him silver and, and mm-hmm. cattle too to
0: get him out It's interesting. Yeah. So it's like, here, he go, go. Benefit, he mm-hmm. here. It's interesting, Abimelech is a name you will see several times in the Old Testament. It's always in some relation to the Philistines or to the Philistines and Israel. Uh, there's, there's several Abimelechs, but this is one of them. It's, it's interesting. This is you know another thing which you probably don't care about. This is probably a later edit that someone has rewritten Philistia because this is probably not something the Philistines weren't even a thing until the time of the judges. You know, it's probably called something else. You probably don't care about that. Uh, if anyone asks you, now you can explain it to them. It's interesting what God... God isn't just speaking to Abraham here either. How does that strike you?
2: It's very interesting. It's interesting how God spoke to Abimelech and said, You will die. He <laughs> just tells him that right now. And then Abimelech argues with him. And yeah. he's like, But I, I'm innocent. What are you talking? Yeah. You know, I'm talking about. It. And then
0: he's like, Yeah, I know you didn't do anything wrong, so <laughs> go to Abraham and get like, yeah. for now, I don't know how this sounds in the Hebrew. At least in the English, it sounds pretty crazy, right? Like, God comes to him and goes, you know, you're as good as dead. <laughs> I don't I don't know what the Hebrew sounds like, but it sounds funny in English, right? And this guy's like, don't do it. I swear I didn't touch her. God speaks to what is presumably a pagan here. And the pagan responds, this is important. This is important. This is... This is, the the author of Genesis is trying to show you something here. He's trying to show you a couple of things. First, God is not just God of the Hebrews. God is God, period. Mm -hmm. Secondly, people can receive revelation from God, the real God, and it doesn't have to be through the Hebrews. It can be direct. So God can, in fact, speak directly to non-believers. Or people that believe in other gods, What do you read here in verse 7? Does anything jump out at you in verse 7? Yes. This is really, this is the first time we see someone being called prophet in the Old Testament. And... It implies something about Abraham. So Abraham is not just the father of an entire nation of chosen people. He's a prophet. And a prophet has a very special connotation, especially in the Old Testament. What is a prophet in the Old Testament? What are some of the, kind of the characteristics? Well, spoke the yes. In the yep. The That's one. them. Two others, too what else can
1: they tell them of things that were to come
0: they can yes so uh, <clears throat> you know future revelations are possible
3: yeah, judgments.
0: yes future or possible judgment mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yes Yes. There's one other big one here, too, and it kind of is implied by the end of this chapter that prophets have the ability to do. They yes, they intercede for others. So here, it's kind of interesting because if you read this and you kind of just absorb what you've just read, you're like, well, God just spoke to Abimelech directly and they had a conversation, and they worked some things out. But God still gives power to Abraham to intercede for Abimelech and pray for him to be healed. Now, you might look at that and go, well, why didn't Abimelech just get healed because he talked to God? Or why didn't Abimelech ask to be healed? It suggests that there is a role for the prophet that's very special. Also, I
2: think that God wanted Abimelech do you want to see if Abimelech would take action with what had been revealed? You know, like God revealed himself to Abimelech and said, maybe you have this man's wife. Yeah. I need you to go to Abraham. And
0: this is a big pray one. And
2: for you. And I think God wanted to see, are Abimelech, are you going to do what I asked you to do?
0: What? That's a big one. That's a big one. God is now... Te- you, you think you've got it rough because you're a Christian and God tests you, right? And you never really think, Go, oh, God can test non-Christians too. This is evidence that that happens. He can speak to non-believers, and I say pagans, but I, I essentially mean non-believers. And he can test them. I love this. I think that's a, a very excellent observation.
3: He gave a middle-life a condition if you do not return to the
0: he gives us choices again. You know, I love this yeah. about God. You've got a choice. I'm not going to immediately destroy you. I'm not going to announce that you have messed up and now I'm going to just you know just do what I want anyway. He continues to give all of us a choice. We have this great thing called free will. I think that's awesome.
3: It's interesting that in preceding that too, God said that I did not let harm her her.
0: It's kind of cool and and horrifyingly terrifying at the same time, right? Like, God is sovereign. Yes. 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 Even if he tried to do something, God would have stopped him. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. Even if he tried. It's like
3: God
2: allowed Abraham then by praying to him like to kind of re- not really reconcile Abraham but you
0: know Abraham had a role to play he, in his yeah in the redemption of yes. life, you know I love this yes right, well that's how that's how the prophets are right they play a role in the redemption of others themselves and others
2: God didn't want to appear to uh um, Abraham would say, can you stop calling people, you know, telling people that you It's your sister, sister. it's causing me a lot of
0: work. Yeah. It's causing a lot of work for me. I had to work past five tonight for this. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Well, the what does the reader take from that? The reader is going to say what about Abraham at this point? Something very clear. Well,
3: God is, I think, teaching him and teaching yeah. his heart. And yeah. And strengthening his
0: faith, I think. I think there is... I think it's not an accident that this passage appears right here. Now, if it happened chronologically at this point, fine. Then it's then it's chronologically correct. Again, I, I like to caution people, the Bible is not in chronological order in general. Yes, it starts at the beginning of the world and ends with the end of the world. And in general, it kind of follows a chronological timeline. But there are many, I, I would say most books of the Bible have stuff out of order of how they actually temporarily happened in the world. It could have been that this passage happened right after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah <clears throat> and right before what we're going to, of course, it has to be before the birth of Isaac. Um, but I do believe too, that this happened right before the birth of Isaac for that other reason. It's the faith thing. I think we should we should note that and move on. That <clears throat> and, and maybe I'll just say it right here. Abraham is still struggling with his faith. I think that's kind of a a takeaway here, that he is not perfect yet, if he will ever be. He's still struggling with his faith. And I think that's a really important part for the next chapter, which I think we should just go ahead and read right now, which is chapter 21. Who would like to read that for me?
2: The Lord cared for Sarah, as he had said, and did for her what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. Everything happened at the time God had said it would. Abraham named his son Isaac, the son Sarah gave birth to. He circumcised Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Everyone who hears about this will (laughs) laugh with me. No one thought that I would be able to have Abraham's child, but even though Abraham is old, I have given him a son. Isaac grew, and when he became old enough to eat food, Abraham gave a great feast. But Sarah saw Ishmael making fun of Isaac. Ishmael was the son of Abraham by Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian slave. So Sarah said to Abraham, throw out this slave woman and her son. Her son should not inherit anything. My son Isaac should receive it all. This troubled Abraham very much because Ishmael was also his son. But God said to Abraham, don't be troubled about the boy and the slave woman. Do whatever Sarah tells you. The descendants I promised you will be from Isaac. I will also make the descendants of Ishmael into a great nation because he is your son too. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a leather bag full of water. He gave them to Hagar and sent her away. Carrying these things and her son, Hagar went and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Later, when all the water was gone from the bag, Hagar put her son under a bush. Then she went away a short distance and sat down. She thought, my son will die and I cannot watch this happen. She sat there and began to cry. God heard the boy crying, and God's angel called to Hagar from heaven. He said, What is wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying there. Help him up and take him by the hand. I will make his descendants into a great nation. Then God showed Hagar a well of water. So she went to the well and filled her bag with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. Ishmael lived in the desert and became an archer. He lived in the desert of Paran, and his mother found a wife for him in Egypt. Then Abimelech came with People I don't know, the commander of his army, and said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. So make me a promise here before God that you will be fair with me and my children and my descendants. Be kind to me into this land where you have lived as a stranger, as kind as I have been to you. And Abraham said, I promise. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about Abimelech's servants who had seized a well of water. But Abimelech said, I don't know who did this. You never told me about this before today. Then Abraham gave Abimelech some sheep and cattle, and they made an agreement. Abraham also put seven female lambs in front of Abimelech. Abimelech said, asked Abraham, Why did you put these seven female lambs by themselves? Abraham answered, Accept these lambs from me to prove that you believe I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba, because they made a promise to each other, af- other- there. After Abraham and Abimelech made the agreement at Beersheba, Abimelech and Pichol the commander of his army, went back to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba and prayed to the Lord, the God who lives forever. And Abraham lived as a stranger in the land of the Philistines for a long time.
0: Do you take from this chapter? It seems kind of callous. Okay.
2: But, but Ishmael just gets sent away, yeah.
0: you know? hmm Why? Why is it callous?
2: Because he doesn't get any. Like, he just gets a, a thing of water and mm-hmm. <laughs> they just go to the desert. I don't know. Or oh, they took some food and a leather mm-hmm. bag full of water. I don't, it just seems like, you know, he is a son.
0: And it's just, he's kind of. Mm-hmm. But he isn't the son of the, you know. Like, he was born out of their own yeah. actions, not out of mm-hmm. what
3: God wanted
0: them to do. And yet, what happens to him? He's provided. Yes.
3: The, the sins of the past have come to roost. Huh. Yeah. Because yeah. kind of, that was a disobedience. Yeah. They were helping God. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need any help.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, actually. God doesn't need any help. Uh but what else?
1: Well it's, re- it's a restatement kind of basically mm-hmm. of the covenants, yeah. you know, that will make him a great nation and
0: Yes. This it's is just
1: reinforcing what he's already told them.
0: What it's reinforcing what what Hagar has heard and now she's hearing it she's hearing it again, right? And again, it's kind of interesting that an angel of the Lord. And remember, when I say an angel of the Lord appears to someone, it is as if God Himself is there speaking. It really is. It's like He is speaking through a vessel, and that's why the the uh, you know the first person goes back and forth between you know God said or the, the angel said, God said. It's God speaking. The angel is not speaking for His own, on His you know making this up. God speaks to Hagar again and says. I mean, this is, again, kind of, an, kind of a very cool thing. We really don't see a whole lot of God going to Sarah at all here, but he's going to Hagar, and he's comforting her, and he's reminding her, look, yes, you're not going to get the, the covenant blessing I'm giving to Isaac. You're not going to get Abraham's inheritance, but you will have your own nation. You will be your own nation. And this is kind of the Ishmaelites, if you want to call them that, Become essentially the Arabians, right? The, they are the desert nomadic dwellers that that live here in the region. And the author of Genesis is trying to make the point that this is where they came from. Paran being down here in the Sinai, it's you know it's this triangle down here that you can't see, <clears throat> but but will inhabit this area. Yes, it sounds callous and it kind of feels that way, but it's also a great blessing too. He builds. He has. He has his own nation that he builds up. Now, of course, here he's going to marry someone from Egypt, and you know that, that's its own thing. But then again, Hagar is from Egypt too, so <clears throat> what else? Abimelech realizes at this point how powerful Abraham is. Yeah. And he re- he yeah. Makes him as a uh, yeah. I think that's a good way to say it. I think that's a good way to say it. Abimelech is really starting to catch on here. And see that God is on his on Abraham's side. You notice that he threw a feast. Oh, so you know. Let's talk about that. Uh, Isaac is born, right? Isaac is born. I, you know, they kind of just talk about and they move on to Hagar and Ishmael. Let's pause that button. After twenty years, twenty five years, God has fulfilled His promise. Now, full stop. You've got to be thinking, Abraham's got to be thinking, thank you. (laughs) It has taken so long. I'm 100 years old. I have waited so long for this, and and I think this is important to the feast. The infant mortality rate in antiquity was super high. Many, most children did not live to adulthood. They're throwing a feast for his weaning, which is probably around two or three the age of two or three, it's not like modern time. Women would nurse their babies for a few years because he lived. And they're throwing a feast to say he's going to make it. It's kind of like, yeah, he's going to live, right? Today we have a baby and you take them home from the hospital and you celebrate because they're essentially, you know, kind of out of the out of the woods. So this is a great feast. And that's two or th- So now he's 102 or 103 and he's throwing this party. He's saying it worked. It worked. And God delivered on his promise. How awesome is that? <laughs> How awesome is that?
2: I like it whenever when she's like, even though Abraham is old, I have given him a son. I'm
0: like, (laughs) a spring chicken yourself, lady. That's exactly. Well, look, she's still got it, right? She's, you know, hey, I don't know about you, old man. (laughs) It's true. It's very true.
3: You can trust his promises.
0: Always. Yeah. Completely trustworthy. He didn't go back on it. He didn't say, look at all the things that you did. And now uh, I'm going to take that away from you. He did it. They keep talking about the laughter. It's kind of cool how they, you know, Isaac means he laughs, uh, right? Um, They keep talking about that. And there's a lot of ways you can interpret this. It's laughter like uh, it's that unbelief laughter. I don't know about you guys. When I was a kid... And something really like stressful or surprising would happen. I would laugh, you know that was my and was like, because I didn't know what else to do. That could be that. It could be joy. It could be laughter of joy, just happiness, right?
3: Yeah, because in the previous chapter, what, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. God told them that they were going to have. He told Sarah you were going to have this child.
0: Yeah. She left, uh, had laughter right and he said you did laugh and she uh,
3: not sure what to say she was fearful and it said uh,
0: i think that's a hilarious actually i love that passage yes but it but it he said anything? yes you did laugh
1: <laughs> yeah I'm it, i love it how just d- a god it. has made laughter for me
0: that's awesome
3: It defied anything known on this earth you know like a child at that age so it's
0: this is it He provides joy. God provides joy. I mean, happiness. Laughter, right? really
3: happened, yeah. It was joyful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, way back in 17, God said you will name him Isaac. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Yeah. Because Abraham bowed down and laughed.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They both did. There's a lot of laughter, yeah. I think
2: it's funny that God's like, I want you to remember how unbelievable you thought this was that you mm-hmm. laughed every time you say his name because yeah, you know, it's that unbelievable I didn't, Right. You
0: know? right.
3: Mm-hmm. and one of the things she says here is that she said God has made laughter for me everyone mm-hmm. who hears will laugh over me when she heard that story when, mm-hmm. when you hear that story of her age and having this child you
0: know. it kind of goes both ways, it's like I'm going to laugh at you because this is ridiculous and I'm going to laugh when I see it because it's joyful. <laughs> right. In a number of ways. Exactly. Exactly. So, I think we could pause the button here too and say this is kind of the this is definitely an end of a chapter in Abraham's life to some degree. Because he has finally received a a promise that I think, look, you can promise, you know, Craig your descendants will, will be as numerous as the stars, and they will inhabit the entire United States, and it will be their land forever. For you, that sounds good, right? That's, that's interesting, right? But you're like, but I'm going to be long gone before all that happens, right? In some ways, I think you know, it is, it's a great promise. However, if I also told you you're going to have a son, and maybe you've been trying to have children your whole life, and you never, never had kids... I think this is the one that meant the most to Abraham. I really do. I think this is the one promised miracle that Abraham, out of everything else that happened in his life, meant the most to him. It was his actual son that he had. His own offspring. And it finally happened. Uh, So in a way, you could say, a chapter's closing on Abraham's life now because he's finally received that promise after all this time of waiting. As we know now, that's not the end of his life. That's not the end of the, all the chapters. We're about to enter into something super important that I think most most school children who, who take Sunday school will have heard this story at some point in Sunday school. And I really want to push the pause button here because it gets back to this thing we just said earlier. Abraham in the last chapter was still struggling with his faith. Now, faith is, in essence... The belief in something that is promised but not necessarily confirmed—you know—I don't know how to say this in, a, in kind of a practical way. It's not 100% confirmed yet. You have faith because you don't know for sure, but you you believe something. At this point, it's not faith anymore, to some degree. God gave him his son, so he's got his son. He doesn't believe anymore. He's confirmed. It's a dumb way to say it, but. I think I want to make the point here he got he got the thing that he's being promised. Now we're going to have maybe one more one last, maybe the epilogue of, of, of Abraham's life is about to unfold, which is I want to prove that your faith is real, Abraham. I want to know that your faith is real after this entire journey you've been on, a hundred and you know it's going to end up being 100 and what 20 years or something like that i want to know and i want you to know abraham that your faith is real because it's very well and good to say you got the stuff that you wanted and now you go about your life and have a nice day but is it real like if it were to happen again would you still have that same faith or would you be right back to where you started i believe that is why chapter 22 is in the bible i really do when you were
2: talking about yeah. me think
0: about Verse eleven. Yeah. Like, it troubled Abraham very much. Mm-hmm. You know, about Ishmael. Yeah. And I was like, that made me happy that he was worried about Ishmael. But also yeah. I was thinking he probably is like, Well if I have Ishmael
2: here I have a backup and I have ah. in case something happens to Isaac. <coughs> I've got a so spare guide needed to get not get rid of I,
0: I think, think this is a really good Ishmael. thing.
2: And he had to send Ishmael away. On his own separate journey, so that God really knew that Isaac
0: was it. I love this. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Because as long as he's there, it's like your spare parts, right? Well, I got this backup, and it always was the backup.
2: Right. And then if that, then in chapter twenty-two, he could, it would be a different story because I love well, this. I Isaac or I have to go back at home, so I'm not really. You know,
0: sacrificing that much. I don't know. Yep. I love kind of, that.
3: There's something in Galatians about uh, the, the two, uh, <clears throat> that Abraham was the recipient in the covenant of grace, I think, and that was represented through Sarah in this statement. And then Hagar was under the
0: law. Yes. Abraham, yes. Not under grace. Yes. That's a good point, actually, Craig. That's a very good theological point. Yes, there, uh, Paul is making the, the point that, and he, he's generalizing, but but applying the story to that to say, as long as you're under the law, you're kind of condemned from a certain point of view, but Abraham was under grace and faith, so it was, yep. Yeah. Thank you, appreciate that. Let's read chapter 20. This is why I wanted to do this tonight. Let's read chapter twenty two, and we're gonna really wrap wrap up you know, in some ways, um, <clears throat> this whole thing. Who would like to read? Would you like to do that, Craig? Yeah.
3: After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. <clears throat> and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to
0: Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. You can stop there. Okay. We'll just pause right there. Uh, the next section is a little bit kind of yeah. um, Hebrew-focused, and, and um, we'll just kind of pass over that. Huh. What are you... What is the point... Of Genesis chapter twenty-two.
1: Well, in our versions, it twice it says God said, "You know, if you have not," or the angel of the Lord said, "You Mm -hmm. have not withheld your son, Mm -hmm. your only son." Mm -hmm. Twice. So, at the beginning, it said, "You know, God tested Abraham." Yeah. So. God was testing you. Oh yeah. Obviously. But I thought it was interesting that you know you've not withheld your son, your only son.
0: This is a huge point, Stacy. This is a this is a monumentally huge point, and I think it gets overlooked. All scripture points to Jesus. It does. This is not an accident. That this is here. In fact, it's beautiful poetry. It's beautiful poetry predicting the future all the way back at the beginning. What are the elements? What are the elements that we have here? Well,
3: we have the, the, one, the one
0: son. We have, we have an only begotten or one of a kind son. son right? Yep. We what else? We have a father. Yes. Freely given. Freely given. To die. To die. The goal was to die. Someone was going to die on that mountain. Now, in this case, what happens? Here's where it's a little different God God stops it and provided a substitution. A ram, a lamb, a sheep. He provided a sacrifice so that Isaac didn't have to die. Mm -hmm. Folks, that's the gospel. The gospel is Genesis chapter 22. You deserve to go up on that mountain and be sacrificed because God said so. And Abraham
3: had faith in God and what he was. Yes. Because he told him already that you will have, yes, you know, a descendant that will, you know, source of many, you know, throughout the world, you know.
2: And he did tell him it would was Isaac. He said Isaac is the one yes. that your yeah. descendants will come from. Yes. At Israel, he, so he, you know, he, it does show that. He trusted that God said, well, it's through Isaac, so I'm going to take him.
0: And God said it's through him. And like a paradox, because I trusted in God, God then spared him. God spared me. I had to trust God that I wasn't going up on that mountain to die. And if I do, I will be spared. And a substitution... The Lamb of God will be provided in my place. That's the gospel, folks. That's what happened for us.
3: Yeah, when he's departing from the, the other men, he tells them that uh, that they're going up there to worship on the mountain, and they will be coming back to see you.
0: There's a lot of books that have been written on that passage. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Was he lying? Was it faith? What was he trying to say? Did he really think that he was going to come back with him? Was he just trying to appease the workers so they wouldn't think he was going to murder his own son. But what was the end result? In Abraham's heart, he believed. He trusted God that something was going to... He, it was going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. He just had to trust God. He was ready to carry it
3: out, though. I mean, he had
0: to... He, he had was obedient. And,
3: yeah. Yes. And, uh, Isaac didn't fight him I mean, he had- yeah. Maybe an he could have been him, you know?
0: What's that over there? Tie, 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 tie. Kick, right? Oh, what are you doing? Yeah. But
3: yeah, yep. it, it looked like he was really ready to do it. But then, you know, at least I've, I've heard one discussion of that, huh? saying that uh, Abraham believed in God with <coughs> such faith at that yeah. point that he believed that God could even raise Isaac from the dead.
0: I've heard that too, and I love that. And I think you know what? I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong. I think that's possible because if you really trust God at this point that he can do what he says he'll do, anything's possible. And it's kind of like, it gets back to that whole, well, how do you know? And I say, you don't have to know how your food keeps you alive. You just have to. You just have to eat it. Because why? Not because you're living on faith like food is the Easter bunny and you've never eaten before, because every time you eat, you stay alive. You you trust God because he has proven himself over and over. And so in that way, it is faith, but it's also certainty. It's certainty.
3: Yeah. It goes back to that one passage when Sarah laughed and the Lord said, is there, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Yeah. I think it's in 18. Yeah. Genesis 18. Is there anything too hard for
0: the Lord? Wow. Isn't that something? That is such great. Look at that growth. Yeah. That growth, that maturity that's happening here. It's never too late. Boy, that's another way to say this, right? Even at a hundred and something, it's never too late to, to, to begin a journey of faith with your creator. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Now, you have to be Isaac looking like, I don't know what just happened up on that mountain, right? Uh, that, that was shocking. Uh, I do want to point this out. <clears throat> okay. Jerusalem does not exist in the Mediterranean. I didn't have room. So let's imagine for a moment, there's Jerusalem right there. This is a blow up, very simplified version. Jerusalem, let's say this is uh, roughly the time of Solomon, give or take. You have essentially the city surrounded by a wall. You have about a quarter of the city is taken up by a temple, a temple complex. This would be Solomon's temple. To the south would be what we call the city of David. That would be the original Jabus. Or, or Salem would have been this part here. That is then expanded as Jerusalem grows. History and, and custom records that Mount Moriah is the Temple Mount. So this, according to legend, and you know what? I believe legend because the people of the past knew something. <laughs> they weren't idiots Mount Moriah is the Temple Mount. It is the highest peak of Mount Zion. And that, according to tradition of of Jews, Christians, and Muslims, is where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. I don't, again, think that is a coincidence either. (laughs) You know, the dwelling place of God, where God and man commune, there's a whole bunch of things you can unpack for that. I just wanted you to know that that's uh, what people think. Okay. What's our take home tonight, Craig? What's the application of all of this? Uh,
3: faith in God.
0: Yeah.
3: Unwavering. Uh, yeah. Because uh, he's faithful and he cannot lie. You can trust his promises,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and he is all good, all knowing, all loving, mm-hmm. all holy, and Jesus is the only one who makes. Mediates between God and man; he's he our mediator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And We uh, can always trust God through any circumstance. I love it. Every circumstance. Every. Going to be money in life.
0: Yeah.
1: And he might test it. He might test.
0: Yes, might will does mm-hmm. will again. I might
3: not like the test.
0: <laughs> well, that's kind of it.
3: But we're supposed to rejoice in the test and uh, and ask God what mm-hmm. He's trying kind to of teach me. Yeah. That's. how uh, okay.
0: I think that's good we don't want to be tested but I think I have a feeling all believers who go to heaven I do believe this will look back if they remember their life and I think they will to say yeah I get why I was tested there and it was it was for my own good it actually turned out to be a good thing that I was tested I, I do truly believe that it'll be like that it's hard in the moment I get it yeah. but it does produce fruit all testing produces fruit if you're a believer did you have anything else, Stacey, you wanted to say? or Like, Job. Yeah.
2: I mean, he lost every single thing. Yeah. In his physical health, and at the end, he knew God in a much deeper, yeah. real way. And the mm-hmm. people around him recognized the faithful man that Job was, you know? So. Yeah.
0: That's
2: true. But yeah, like, I think the take-home is he yeah, had faith, and that there's nothing... Like Craig said earlier, really, like there's nothing like God is not small. Like he yeah. he can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like even if you lie and your wife gets carried away, like God, God can fix that. Like yes. he will. He can intervene. You know he will intervene. There's nothing too small for God.
0: I love this. Um, can I say that? I say this a lot. You can't screw up God's plan. You just can't. You can't mess up what God has planned. In fact, you are a part of that plan. And like I tell people, the reason why God didn't just make the human race and then tell them everything that they needed to know and then say, okay, it's the end of the world, was we have a role to play in God's creation. Abraham had a role to play, his good and his bad. God can and does fix our mistakes and, in fact, uses them. And so when you look back on your life as a, as a redeemed believer... I hope you can look to say all the mistakes I made and all the bad things that happened to me, they were part of a plan. You know, that, that Choose Your Own Adventure book I talked about at the very beginning, it was all part of the plan because it made you the person you are and it glorified God for who He is. He redeemed you out of something that you didn't deserve to be redeemed out of. God was able to show His power by fixing the things that you thought you screwed up that God knew all along was going to happen, but he wanted you to believe that he was getting you out of it. I love that. You you can't screw it up enough. You've got until the day you die to make that final decision, which is, I choose Jesus Christ to be my redeeming savior and to stop me from being sacrificed on that mountain, and I can be free. And if I believe that, then God will spare my life. He will spare my life for all eternity, and I will live forever with my creator. I think this is a good stopping point. Thank you.